0: We would like to thank one of our sponsors of the podcast, Leader Equine. Based in Victoria, Australia, Leader Equine can assist with all your horse care needs. They distribute leading global brands, including Horseware Island, TRM, PS of Sweden, Goodbye Flies, and Apona Grooming. Leader Equine have an array of products to help with all elements of horse care. The Horseware Ice Vibe and Rambo Ionic products are perfect for supporting the recovery of competition horses. Their TRM range includes everything from joint supplements, digestive supplements, and much more. All tried, tested, and effective. Welcome to another episode of the Equestrian Hub podcast, sponsored by Leader Equine. Today's guest, all the way from the land of the long white cloud, we've got Joanne Bridgman. Welcome.
1: Yeah. Hi, Charles. Thanks for coming Charlie,
0: up. Charlie, hi Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, Charles. It depends how it depends how bad I've been, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I saw a really cool photo you put up on Facebook the other day. It was a bit of a, a bit of a flashback, I guess. Uh, with you, Mark Todd. I think it was Vaughn Jeffries in it. Tell no. us.
1: No, the- no, no. It was me, Mark. Nicolae Fife, who's now FEI judge, and one, two, three, Carol Harrison, and Mary Darby, who was an eventing selector for years until a few years ago.
0: Tell us a little bit about that photo, because I think there's, there's a fair bit of history looking at that.
1: Yeah, that's a, the most amazing horse. Guess it was a horse of a lifetime. Um, it was my first ever hack, like going off ponies. And I was just a bit lucky, I guess. Mum was a smart did a smart move there, getting it for me. He was only four when I got him. and he um, he was just kind of a freak, like we see him at Pony Club with the boy that owned him, and his jump was just amazing. and like even to back then when I was young and didn't know much, it was clearly stood out and then the boy sm- the guy that owned him smashed his car up and rode it off and he had to sell the horse to get a new car and we just happened to be quite friends with the family at the time because everybody wanted the horse and we got first option on it and I, it wasn't i can't remember I can't remember how much I think it was like $500 or something i can't remember it's like you know a long long time ago obviously like 55 years ago 50 years ago probably um And, yeah, and I remember the first big thing I went to was area trials. That's like the the area um, final to get to the Pony Club eventing champs. And I got third in it. And then I got eliminated because my horse was too young. He was only four and a half. (laughs) Someone protested that my horse was too long. So I was eliminated. Yeah, but then a couple Of of years later. What's that?
0: I said, of course they did, it's Pony Club, they do that.
1: Yeah, I know, he was only four and a half, he wasn't five.
0: (laughs) But he was just amazing, yeah. And
1: um, then I did actually get to the Pony Club Champs a couple of years later and I was first equal. And then the following year I went to the the national three-day in New Zealand and I was fourth in the advanced class. And the following year I went to Lexington with Mark and the rest of the team.
0: And how, at what point did you think, you know, when you're riding this young horse that you just picked up 500 bucks, at what point did you think uh, going to Lexington for the you know, World Championships was on the radar?
1: Um, probably after competing in the national three-day advanced class, which is kind of like the highest level back then, um, that I did well. And then I, I probably didn't actually – it probably wasn't on the radar. Um on hindsight, um, I did well in that competition. Then I was approached by selectors and stuff about putting – they decided they were going to try – and. oh, Lockie Richards, that's right. He was the instigator. He was like, no, these these horses and riders are really good. And he got us riders all together because the federation wouldn't support us at all. And Lockie got us together. And we used to have these team meetings with Lockie, who was – a, a a Kiwi that had trained a lot in America, who's quite well-known in America. Um, he got us together and we formulated a plan to get together and raise the money ourselves and get over there and prove ourselves. And then hopefully they would, you know, enter us for the world um, World championships. And that's actually what happened. Yeah, We we took ourselves there and he, he was kind of the instigator and probably hadn't occurred to us. It was just that he was like, you guys are good enough. Let's do it. And that's what happened.
0: And how did you make that happen? Because you said there wasn't a lot of support from the Federation. How did you
1: get all
0: the money together?
1: So my family weren't able to support me at the time. And I was pretty pretty angry, actually. (laughs) I remember our last meeting we had, like, with the parents and us riders. And Dad stood up and said, I'm sorry, but... We won't be able to support Joanne on this financially. And I was just so angry. And I remember I stayed awake all that night and just laying there awake thinking, how can I get the money? How can I get the money? And I ended up um, doing a ride a thon. I decided I was going to do this ride a thon and I did it, I dreamed it all up out of my head. <laughs> and I was just went into the a big park in the middle of Hamilton, which is a city in New Zealand. And I I just went around everywhere, all our local area businesses and that, and got sponsors. And I decided I was going to do trot sets and every trot for half an hour, like as many as I could trot sets, sets of trotting. And in this park, and um, I had a few horses lined up and some people were riding around with me and there were dogs following me. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and I just went around and got lots and lots of sponsors and – and this book, which I've still got, it's a really cool book, I've still got it, and um, did it all. I ended up riding the, the good horse, Bandelier, most of the time because all the other horses were awful to ride, and he had the nicest trot,
0: so I just ended up riding him over and over quite a bit. Um, been quite fit after that. What's that, sorry? He would have been quite fit after that, but I guess they had to do the roads and tracks oh, back
1: then. Yeah, no, yeah, he was a fit type of horse at any rate, and... Um, Yeah, and I went, and then afterwards I went round and everyone paid up. And that was just a bit of a cash, good cash injection to enable myself to do that. And also, I was living with a boyfriend at the time, and he actually committed suicide. (laughs) And um, not because of me, other things. And his parents gifted me all his belongings as well to put towards my trip so I could just make a break and get away. So that's literally how I got there. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I got there. <laughs> End of
0: story. I got there. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. And yeah. and what ended up happening with uh, – did you do many more competitions afterwards with a bandolier? Uh, we didn't – I can't remember, um, but we obviously just
1: were go- goaling to get over there ASAP, and um, I got over there three – Mark and uh, – Mark and I got over there three months before the competition and the other riders went over earlier and we were gifted a house to stay in in Pennsylvania by a wealthy, wealthy, amazing, amazing lady called Elizabeth Streeter. She was just – she was an old friend of Lockie's and she just looked after us so well. And we were also gifted a van, a Chrysler van to drive around in, which was our vehicle. It was like a (laughs) – it was like a little bus that we used to drive around and everywhere. And, um, yeah, we're in Pennsylvania. We're at um, Chester Springs. We were based in Pennsylvania. Um, do you remember that place?
0: Chester Springs. Well, I know like where road, Boyd um, and Philippa now is is Westchester County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I'm sure time. it must be in there, that area, it sounds like. It's quite yeah. a haughty area.
1: Yeah, and it was unbelievable, like big flash places, no fences around the properties. We'd go hacking. Carol Harrison and I would go hacking. We'd get lost and we'd be gone for four hours, like out trotting around trying to find our way home. We'd just get lost. We had no bearings. There were no fences, no. There was trees everywhere. Um, and I think our horses got extremely fit because we're basically hacking for four hours some days because we just
0: got lost. and just, It's you know. amazing how there's, there's- – very like the border there's no border fences on a lot of those big horse farms over there and whereas you know here in australia or i, I guess a bit in new zealand you know everywhere is fenced and this is my land stay off my land don't you dare come yeah, on it. Yeah. but i guess you know maybe in australia anyway when when the colony was starting out they certainly didn't want convicts wandering onto people's lands okay, yeah
1: yeah and um sometimes we'd end up on someone's lawn we just sort of go out like you just trotting through some trees and oh we're on someone's lawn, you know? Um, yeah, and Bruce Davison was just up the road. He wasn't far, his property. Um, oh, he Br- the
0: yeah. he's a legend of the sport. And he, he did did he he did did he win that year?
1: Yes, on um, uh, Mike Tango and it was only six.
0: Far. And I remember
1: there were like six men holding the horse up at the end of the cross country because it couldn't stand up. There were right. men holding it up, it nearly died, yeah. Um, just from the heat and the humidity, it, it, it was, they were like pumping fluids into it. And the men, people were holding it up because it couldn't stand up. Oh, in right. the, in the, and I, I vividly remember that, yeah. Must have
0: been it was only
1: six, cool. apparently, it was, I think it was only six or something, or seven. Mm. It, was, it was huge, great big, big huge grey horse.
0: Yeah, and did was, you did you do much? Did you have any um, when you are over there? Did you find that you guys all trained together, or did you get help from the Americans? You know, did you have did you sort of get influence from with your riding when you got over there, or did you just keep on the same program you and Mark and the others that you already had?
1: Um, from memory, we just stuck to the same with Lockie. Lockie was our mm. trainer. We stuck her yeah. that was it. At, way back then, he was actually quite highly regarded with the Americans, at any rate, because he'd done most of his um, stuff over there, and then he decided to move back to New Zealand. So he was fairly—he was fairly brilliant, to be honest. I mean, he was the same trainer that coached our team at Gawler. and I mean, Trudy, Trudy, boys should have won the sil- sil- um The gold. What's the second? Silver. <laughs> um, mm that they, they wouldn't they, they vetted her out on the last day and but the horse was sound. She rode him around in the parade at the end and he was perfectly sound but yeah. you know we could on the gold there as well and that he was our coach back then as well um for the team. He was very, very good. Highly underrated at, you know and you yeah. Had, we stuck with him. We didn't have any other lessons from memory. We went cross oh Mark, I remember going cross country schooling. and and um you know like steeplechase schooling type thing. And I remember Mark, Mark took over <laughs> from Lockheed. And he was making it just gallop the fences and just stand off and just be like really bold and just ride, you know, ride, ride, ride <laughs> forward. It's sort of a different sort of riding steeplechasing, isn't it? Absolutely. They Having him screaming at us when we were practicing steeplechase big brush fences. Yeah,
0: certainly, uh, scary, they're certainly the- scary, scary looking fences There's in the, the steep to ride the steeplechase, you got to be pretty bold.
1: Yeah, he, 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 he. I remember having a, um, um. He took over from Lockie on, on that, bit. he, he just knew what to say and how to get us, well, get me going at any rate. Yeah, you can't like see foot around. You got to really go. You got to, that, yeah. I think that was so amazing for riders to have to do that because that really, really. Um, developed a fantastic feel of pace and balance and speed and all that for the cross country and they just you know it's, it's sort of lacking bit these days generally speaking
0: well I was just going to ask how you'd see that a bit now with a lot of you know yes there's no roads and tracks but there's still some fences on course that you need to steeplechase but there's not as much of that steeplechase type training so you see that at competitions nowadays that people sort of lack that foundation? Well, I kind of think
1: that the cross country these days, you just about need a circus pony Mm. uh, versus a big, bold, amazing cross country horse, (laughs) except when you get to badminton or Burley, possibly Lexington as well. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, it's, you just need a circus party, really, don't you? Getting around all these little skinnies and corners and acute angles and and the jumps just aren't as big as what they were. They're not yeah. as big and and scary and just freaking huge as to look at as they were back then. They're not badminton, yes, Burley, yes.
0: Yeah, of course. Probably no. Lexington. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, the, they were Walking around Burley, that's certainly uh, an intimidating-looking course.
1: Oh yeah, but they um, just—I oh, don't know, God. Some of the things we used to jump. I'm like, whoa!
0: Did I actually jump that? <laughs> Crazy what we do when we're young. And and so you came back from the world championships. And what was your plans? You were still, you know, you were quite young at the time. You know, did you did you plan on uh, continuing competing, or did you think about going into getting a real job? What was your plan?
1: Um, I never, ever wanted a real job. <laughs> I was actually a dress designer, to be honest, and I was doing that before I left. Oh, I think I was. I can't remember. Oh, maybe I can. No, I think I came back and developed that, yeah, and um, I used to be quite a successful dress designer, and so I was kind of doing both things. But I didn't immediately come back. I sold my horse from Pennsylvania to Lucinda Prior Palmer, who's now Lucinda Green. Yeah. Um, and I said, to, "Oh, I, that's a good story." That, um, the Monday after the the competition in Lexington, we were all just waiting around to get to the airport and get home and all that. And we were lying around at the pool at the hotel, and Lucinda was um, sunbathing, and we all were too. And I'd had had various pe- people um, approach me during especially after the cross-country. And I did. there was only seven clear rounds in the show jumping and I was one of them And on the final day. And people were cut, like a guy from Switzerland called Jörg Zindel. He was a big dealer back in the day. He came up and wanted to buy my horse. And
0: We would like to thank one of our sponsors of the podcast, Leader Equine. Based in Victoria, Australia, Leader Equine can assist with all your horse care needs. They distribute leading global brands including Horseware Island, TRM, PS of Sweden, Goodbye Flies and opponent Grooming. Leader Equine have an array of products to help with all elements of horse care. The Horseware Ice Vibe and Rambo Ionic products are perfect for supporting the recovery of competition horses. Their TRM range includes everything from joint supplements, digestive supplements, and much more. All tried, tested, and effective. I personally love the Horseware Island rugs, and I see the PS with Sweden saddlecloths out there and they look really schmick.
1: Yeah, and we'd had people, we, okay, we put our horses up for Dutch auction, okay, that, Lockie suggested that. So basically we had a cut-off date and it was put out there around all the, at the competition that our horses were up for sale for Dutch auction, which basically is the highest bed. I don't actually know what it is. Maybe it was the highest bid or the one that we wanted. I don't know how it worked, but anyway. And this guy put on an offer on my horse for twenty. Oh, I can't remember, but something like twenty thousand US, which back then is kind of like mega. And yeah. then Lucinda came up to my. I was lying on a sun sunbathing chair. And she came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said oh she'd been in to see my horse the day before in the stable and she said oh my god he's just amazing he just did the best show jumping round, and he he still looks fresh oh yeah and she got on him and tried him um yeah so she came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said is, is, is your horse she said would you mind if I had a little sit on your horse today and, and if he's not too tired and I was like yeah sure so we jumped on our little bus and went back to the stables and she had a little ride on him and jumped him she goes Oh, my God, he feels fresh still. (laughs) She she couldn't believe it. She said, I want to buy this horse. So she went back to England and talked to her sponsors, and they put an offer on. I think it was, oh, no, Jörg Zundel put on 25,000 US, and then she put an offer of 26. Or there was some little bidding war or something. But anyway, she ended up having the highest offer. And so she bought them and I just said, oh, you can only have them if I come with them. And she's like, right, okay. So she flew me to England with them and I went to stay with her at Appleshaw, which which is where she lived back then with her mum. And, um, yeah, that's how that started.
0: <laughs> so how long did you end up staying in England for?
1: Oh, I can't remember. But she took me on tour with her, with Ted Edgar. <laughs> And that was really cool. We went to Scotland, and we did. We flew up with Ted Edgar. It was some kind of like um, uh, British equestrian talk show, son. There was there was an, one in Edinburgh and one in Glasgow, and she somehow conned the federation federational, whatever they were called. To I was a, a really top rider from New Zealand, and could I go? come on it as well and oh my god what an eye-opener that was with Ted Edgiff with with, he was just blew me away he was so funny and so entertaining and um just told us so many incredible stories and because we drove we flew up and then we drove across Scotland to the other place and so while we were driving you know he just entertained us full on it was just I'll never forget it and and We got given these um, uh, aged bottles, a a gift of an aged, high-quality sort of bottle of scotch each in a box, and I was carrying mine out to the car, and mine fell out the bottom of the box and broke on the road, and he was down on his hands and knees licking it up off the road.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was a bit thirsty by the sound of it.
1: Oh, he's nuts! Yeah. <laughs> what a character that man was.
0: Yeah. No, that's crazy. And then, so what? A lot of riders uh, will know you for more recently is you know as a as a sort of a buying and and selling agent. I guess how how you know would you describe yourself? A lot of people come to you to help find quality horses. You know, in, in New Zealand and also outside of New Zealand.
1: Correct. Um, yeah, that's a really nice business I've built up, and I've it's steadily growing all the time. Um, you know, sort of more and more people are contacting me. I get a lot of inquiries from Australia. In fact, half—well, I think that pretty much over a year, half my my business would be from Australians. Out of you know, fifty percent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I had some Australians here on Monday and Tuesday. I've got other inquiries at the moment too that I'm working on.
0: Some damn Australians uh, interrupting our interview a few minutes ago. Yeah, well, yeah, correct. <laughs> how dare they? How dare
1: they? Yeah, how dare they? Yeah, exactly. That's a bit rude, isn't it? Um, and so, yeah. So and so um,
0: how does your business operate? Because you don't have a lot of um, horses in work. No, you? I don't. No operate a little bit differently how and it's just explain that uh, to a few people. I'm
1: basically I'm a, basically an agent. My job is to like I get someone wanting a horse um, or looking for something. Um, they'll contact me and I like I just I like to talk to them on the phone to be honest. I'm really not I don't love texting and all that too much. Because um, I find it's really misleading and you can get the wrong impression quite easily. I just like talking like straight up to someone and, you know, really tune in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to know their budget, which is sometimes a little bit wishy-washy. They don't really have a budget sometimes or um, or some people can't kind of test you out and they want to kind of see what's the cheapest thing they can get sort of thing. But really, they're probably they're just testing you out. Um, but you sort of, you know, get to work through all that. Um, I just want to know what their goals are. I like to see video of the rider, like so I can make my own judgment. Um on, you know, in particular cross country and jump uh, show jumping. Um I like to know as much information about the rider as possible. Then I just try and I sort of I'm quite good at it. I seem to get it right pretty much all the time. Um and then I just I'll just sort of sit I'll just send them. I mean, there's not an abundance of any kind of horses to be honest. Like, you know, that they're hard to find. You know, what what people are looking for and everyone wants something slightly different. Um, you know, I'll I'll sometimes like okay, this is an example. I had some Australians here maybe two months ago and first of all I found a horse for them in Queensland. And they went up there twice loved it, bedded it, it wasn't exactly perfect enough for them on the vet check, although it was fine in my, my opinion, but they didn't want to proceed. And he's like, right, we're coming to New Zealand, and I'd shown them one horse hair, and they loved it, and they said, well, you know, can you find a few more? And I literally didn't have any, and I actually rang several of the owners or riders of two or three horses I had admired, and I was like, I know your horse is not for sale, but I've got someone I'd like to show it to and put a price on it. And they did. And they actually went for sale, but we did establish a price. And, yes, they looked at them. So I ended up showing them five horses here. And they told me that every single one of them fitted their brief. And, you know, so that was amazing. You could never do that in Australia. And they did choose one, and they're absolutely thrilled. It's going amazing. But that's sort of thing I do. I, I actually reached out and rang people and said, will you sell your horse, and if so, what price? And so that's how I got a bunch of horses together for them to look at. So and you so sort of have to really step outside the comfort zone, outside the box a bit, and just know everyone. And I, I, I watch – I'm always looking and watching results. And
0: yeah, I was about to say a lot of that would be, uh, you know, knowing people, being like networking, but and also yep. watching results, watching competitions, you know, how, yep. how often do you go – do you still go to competitions frequently just to watch and keep your eye on, or you might, you, yes. you know, yes, watch? yep.
1: And I'll stand there all day and might see two horses I like. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet.
1: <laughs> and it's never changed because people go, "Oh, so you just can't find a decent horse these days." And I'm like, you know what? It's never changed. It's always been like that. You could stand there all day and see two horses that you really, really love or like their jump, you know, like it's it's always been like that. It's, it's Nothing's changed.
0: Yeah, no, that's it's true. It's, I guess like people complaining about children these days and that's something that's been going on for millennia.
1: Yeah. Um, I have to say here in New Zealand, uh, um, over the years, most of us have ridden horses off the track and obviously very successfully. Um, these days there's a lot more purpose-bred horses out there, like, uh, warm blood thoroughbred crosses here in New Zealand. Never used to be, but it's becoming quite big business here now. Yeah. And, um, and I've noticed a trend recently of people buying weanlings, yearlings, two-year-olds versus waiting and paying crazy money for, um, something with results, you know, it's just becoming ridiculous. So sort of – I've noticed it's really heading towards a trend of people buying youngsters and just putting them in the paddock. And um, it's just more affordable and, you know, yes, you don't know what you're getting, but if you're smart and go on the breeding and, you know, it's quite doable.
0: And do you breed any horses yourself?
1: Good question. I just started again after – I had my own stallion, which left some fabulous horses, most of, what, most of which went overseas. In fact, there's one, two, maybe three in Australia. <clears throat> his name was Grasshopper, but I, he, I had to put him down because he got, for various reasons, when he was 20. In fact, his last foal is actually looking like a superstar at the moment. Is with Monica Spencer, and it's a grey mare called Carousel. Carousel I think um, and it's just beautiful and it's by him out of a, his Royal Highness mare, which is by Grosvenor and it's uh, really our- really talented she will not sell it I've asked her it's beautiful but well, like, that was a sort of a last minute ditch because I was told a semen was no good and so I stopped breeding from him and then <clears throat> the breeder, Kate Wood, said to me at Taupo one day, we were standing around the stable, she said, God, I've always regretted I never got a foal out of Grasshopper." And I said, oh, why don't we just stick one on the paddock with them and see a mare in the paddock with them and see what happens. And she sent down this, His Royal Highness mare and um, we left it. it was the beginning of December, we left her in the paddock with them till April, till she came back down again to Kiki Horse Rails and she picked him up, took the mare home and it was four months pregnant, five yeah. So he must have got it in foal within two weeks. Yeah, good. Yeah, that was a bit of, and now Monica's got it. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and no, I just bred three mares. I had a foal five days ago. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, And I, I bred my three old mares, my good old mares, like two of them, Brilliant Invader.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: Thoroughbred Blood, yeah. And the other ones, yeah. Grasshopper Sister, and they were old, and I didn't think they'd get in foal, and they all did.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah and I've got I took the two one of them fold last Saturday and it's just bought be boarded bought home a day ago and the other two just went over on Monday to the stud and um, they drew on the eleventh of December so and I put them in fold to horses from Europe um, let it have quite a good, decent percentage of thoroughbred in them, but they're like show jumpers so yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, it's but
1: I'm, I don't mind what I have as long as it's a flash jumper. That's all I care about.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you you need they need to be quite adjustable and and very careful now, don't they? You know, they can't just be yeah. soft, very but have a very good shape.
1: Yeah, but selling wise, my goal, my my the, for me, the horses I'm breeding, I don't care if they're not Olympic horses. I just want them to be good looking move really well and have a beautiful technique when they jump and they are very sellable for big money.
0: Yeah.
1: That middle market. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's important. Those things, I want them to be very good looking, very, oh, and very good brain and rideable. And that's what I've tried to breed. Yeah.
0: It's so important. I guess if you're looking for sales prospects, they need to be reasonably rideable. I can imagine you've sold a few tricky horses over the years and, um, would make it a bit harder to find a suitable rider.
1: Yeah, one in particular, (laughs) Mark Todd's um, medal winner at Sydney, I spy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Mark said to me, man, just about killed him one day.
0: (laughs) Really? And so did you have to try and find a buyer for it? What's that, sorry? Did you have to try and find a buyer for Mark's horse?
1: No, 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 no. I sold it to him when I got it off the track. Yep, um, yep. um. And I was showed, he was an amazing jumper. And I I, I mean, I, he was quite easy. I, I, I didn't have a problem with the horse, but he was just a tough nut, you know. Like, Um. I stood show jumping on him and then Mark came home for Christmas one year and had a sit on him and wanted to buy him. So he bought him, took him back and invented him to, you know, the high level in England and took him to Sydney. Yeah. No, I never sold it. No, nah, he would never got sold. He just got sold to Mark. He sold to an owner and that's it that's it stayed and then Polly Stockton rode him in england after mark retired yeah no 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 i never sold it i just was my horse off the track that i rode and mark bought it
0: off me and so back to i thought i'd I'd jump back to the talking about the sales and dealing with dealing with clients let's say someone you know wants to reach out and you know is looking at buying a horse what are some things that you recommend you know if they ha- if they get in contact with you or if they get in contact with another sales agent you know what are some hard questions that or, or information that these people really need to have before they go right. um well obviously
1: i need i need to know their appro- approximate budget that's quite very important so we're not wasting anyone's time yep. my time or their time and um i need to know all about the rider oh, i need to know what they're looking for right well what they think they're looking for um, and usually they kind of have a fair, you know, they know what they want. And but that does change sometimes <laughs> when they see they fall in love with a horse that's younger or older or whatever. Um, I need to know what their brief is, like you know, size. And size is quite important. If it's a tiny little rider, obviously a smaller horse will be more practical. Yeah. Um, obviously a six foot five rider needs something a bit taller, um, kind of like what level they're at, what their goals are with their riding. I need to know what, you know, what level they're established at competing, um, what their weakest link is in their riding, you know, if they're scared cross country or whatever, I'd probably suggest not to go at <laughs> <laughs> Can't fix that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um. Oh, you know, just common sense stuff, really. Just keep it basic. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty much budget and, and what their goals are. And then I just kind of send them video of all three phases, best quality I can. And um if they want further video, we can get it done. Um, some people will buy off video successfully. Yeah.
0: And others but, like to come and ride. Well, that probably, um, you know, Gives you a little bit more confidence if they're coming and trying and knowing that it's a better match. But I guess if they're buying off video, like you said, you like to see videos of them riding and that can give you a bit of an idea.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, to be honest, I have sold quite a few off video, in particular during COVID and before and since. And there's been no failures. They've all thrilled. It's not been a problem.
0: And I know that sounds really odd, but it's true. Mm. So that's good things kept – you were able to sort of do things a bit differently during COVID or ramp up the video. Yeah. Yeah, no, COVID was a great time. People
1: were freaking sitting around on their computers and they weren't going on holidays. They weren't spending money. And I just thought – prices actually rose during COVID. (laughs) Like, you know, there was a lot of interest during COVID.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting time. Yeah, my business certainly got busier with working horses and breaking in horses because, yeah, a lot of people were sitting around. I think um, people were riding their horses more. They actually, more people wanted lessons, but it was harder to give lessons during COVID. Yes. But, uh, you know, obviously oh, there was plenty of young ones. Yeah, everyone was, like, oh, well, I better get that young one started now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, people had time up their sleeves to do quality things for a change.
0: And you you mentioned it earlier that people buying younger and younger and I see that a lot more now too, even sort of uh, let's say amateur riders buying weanlings, foals, yes. and at foot, even foals at foot uh, so yes. that they can sort of lock that quality in earlier. Are you, yeah. do you get involved with any of those sort of sales or are you mostly to do with just riding horses? Um, I'm
1: not. Oh yeah. So good, another very good question. I've got three, one foal on the ground, two coming. One of them has already been bought months ago. Okay. Before yeah, I've had some minute. I told this lady the breeding of my what I've you know the sire and the dam of. She's like, I will buy that one. That's mine. Um, so we just have to have a live foal on the ground basically, and it's sold. <laughs> yeah, <for>. I'm waiting. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I um. Mainly riding horses, but in the past, like I've actually sold a weanling to um, America to one gentleman. I sold him a yearling and a weanling by this one sire that he really liked for eventing. This is way back many years ago. Um, Yeah, um, it's it's not been a big thing for me, but I can see it transpiring. Mm. Yeah, uh, I can just see a real trend. People are buying youngsters unbroken. Um, Unbroken, in particular, and two-year-olds, three-year-olds, you know, weanlings. When people are selling weanlings as soon as they, are well, foals as soon as they're born, they. I just Facebook a couple of days ago. someone put up. You know, the, the, you know they're selling really. People are just snapping them
0: up. I like. Uh, I I much prefer people buying weanlings and yearlings because then I can then they can send them to me to break in. Although, yeah. um, although every now and then I ride a really nice one and, and you try and buy it and they go, no, no, not for sale. You know, in New Zealand,
1: everything's for sale at a price.
0: Yeah. It's another thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it seems to be, well, apart from like the likes of amazing you know, Olympic riders like Clark Johnson, that no one can buy his good horses. There's just no way. Um, those types of like, I'd say Monica Spencer as well, to be honest, and I mean, you know, our Amanda, Muzzy Pottinger and all them, they probably just wouldn't sell their horses. But everyone else, you know, put the money on, yeah, we'll sell.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to, what did my mother, she always goes, sell and regret, but always sell.
1: I have regretted, regretted, regretted all my life. I've been so stupid. I've turned down offers. I've turned down this, that, the next thing. And I've just, I've realized now in hindsight, I've, I should should have not been so silly.
0: Should have, should have sold when you didn't. Either. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, what was the what was the lesson that you learned, that you should have actually sold instead of holding to them? Or yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. I've just yeah, because I'm so emotionally involved with my horses, I just can't do it. And that my own horses, and then I just leave them leave it too late. Now I've just missed out. You know, like on.
0: Serious money. Yeah, they do. They do value at a certain point. And so, what that would be—is that one of the hardest things you find with having with your own ones? You know, yeah, selling them. attached? Yes. I don't want to sell them. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to keep. We'd like to keep them all.
1: Yeah, I just want to be really rich and just keep them all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and what's the plan? Sadly, for the rest of the year just. You got some more, you know, horse horse people coming to look at horses, or have you got any trips planned leading up to Christmas? Um, many trips.
1: Um, hoping to go and visit some
0: really good mates
1: of mine in um, New South Wales before before the end of the year, but they're going off on safari with Lucinda Green and then going to Paris, so (laughs) they won't be back till mid January. yeah, I wouldn't mind going somewhere. I been anywhere for ages, but um, I'll just hang low at the moment because I've got these foals coming, so I need to be around to watch them for a bit till they're, you
0: know. Yeah, for, can't just walk up and leave them. The um the safari, I had a friend. He went and did the safari with Linda Lucinda Green. Had a, that that sounded like a good time.
1: Oh, she was just here last week. Um, well, she's here now. And um, standing with her son Freddie, who's married to <clears throat> Lizzie Green, who's one of our high-performance coaches and top event rider here. So, and she's got two little grandchildren. She hadn't seen them, and I just went and spent a couple of hours with her a couple of days ago. She was teaching here in Hamilton, and I just hung with her while she was coaching and had a few chats and that. And she just seen her grandchildren, and she, she's. She's here in New Zealand now, coaching, yeah, so – and she's just been in Australia, and she said it rained so much the whole time she was there. She
0: oh, can not believe it. it has been, yeah, pretty miserable over here for most yeah. of the year. The, um, but you, you'd, you'd be used to a fair bit of rain over there, but the rain here this year is not, not unnatural. Yeah, we've
1: had a lot, um, but I'm lucky there's no flooding where I am. Um, but we've had a lot, and we've had a th- – yeah similar but you guys have really worn it big time
0: and i've got one of my uh one of my listeners they gave me a hard time because i wasn't finding out enough things about non-horsey topics and so they requested that i ask you uh what your favorite meal is
1: oh um um oh goodness me I've got several probably. Yeah, we'll go with that. I love roast pork with crackles. Mm. Do you like that?
0: Oh, it's bloody delicious when you get the crackling right.
1: Oh, yeah, it's got to be perfect.
0: No vegans. And apple sauce and vegetables
1: and all that. Um, I like really good Thai food. Like really, um, We've got a very nice Thai restaurant here in Cambridge. Um. What else? Mm, I like. I've got a favourite fish and chip shop, and like once every two two weeks, probably I get fish and chips. I love that. It. It's so yummy. They have like I get snapper, and it's like so fresh and so nice, and the chips are all crunchy. And I love that. Those are things I really like.
0: I bet you miss. I bet you miss some good fish and chips when you're on on holiday outside of New Zealand.
1: Probably doing other good things. <laughs> I won't be away that long <laughs> if I when I go, if I go. I haven't been away I haven't been out of New Zealand for years, probably four years.
0: Well I guess with COVID certainly hasn't helped. And if you so if you get out you won't be going to any horse competitions looking looking for horses or you'll try and actually have a little bit of a proper break.
1: No, I'm not gonna be going round horse shows, I don't think. Um, no.
0: Definitely not. Yeah, you need, even no matter how much you love it, you still need a little bit, bit of a break from it every now and then, don't you? I like, I like, my world is involved with the horse fraternity. You know, like,
1: I just, my whole life revolves around it. So it's not a big deal, really. It's just, it's, I just, I'm not. I like being around horse people because we have mm. the same common interests. Um, what, I find, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I'm probably have more fun with horse people.
0: <laughs> oh, right. They're, they're a good time. And Well, if you had any, let's say if you had any advice for young Joanne when uh, she went off to Lexington in 1978, what, what would you tell her and do you think she'd even listen?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a tricky one. Uh, You've got to work really hard. Um, it seems to be a lost art these days. <laughs> I've been discussing it a bit for a few people lately, actually. The young people just seem to, I don't know, it's kind of like the new culture. Um, you know, you get—you um, got to work really hard and just lots of attention to detail, um, notice things, keep your eyes open, listen, um, have a good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's about is that okay?
0: <laughs> sounds simple, but it's not easy, isn't it?
1: It's easy having a good time if you really want to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know <That's>, that. <laughs> I, certainly, I certainly do. Well, thank you so yeah, much I know. on Joanne. Now if anyone wants to reach out to you, find their next eventing superstar, what's their best way of getting in contact?
1: Um, I've got a website. Um qualitynzhorses.com um, there's a contact thing on there, I don't really have many horses on there, it's all very time consuming and just about everything on there's got sold over it, because a lot of the horses I have are listed um, like pretty much under the radar Like I don't really flash it around um, or they're not even
0: for sale, like the ones you mentioned. Well, yeah, I just keep it
1: really quiet under the radar. And I, but I know what you know, a, and then when I sell it, I'll put sold and put it on there. <laughs> People are like, Oh, we would have bought that. And I'm like, Yeah, right. Oh, well, get keep in touch. <laughs> um, and Messenger's very good. Um, Joanne Bridgman on um, Facebook,
0: Facebook, yep, too easy. Yep. Well, we can put that website up in the show notes and just to make it easy for anyone to reach out. Yep. And I certainly uh, know from personal experience, having been over to New Zealand looking at horses, that uh, that you make it very easy and, yeah, that you do line up uh, good horses to look at. So I can uh, give a personal recommendation there for anyone that's on the fence. Thank you. Hey,
1: I've one thing. What, I can't remember your... Oh, uh, your dad's name because I did. Yeah, Brett. With him.
0: He, uh, he also had a good time too. What's
1: his first name? It's Warren.
0: Uh, uh, Brett Warren. Brett, that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of it last night. I thought, oh.
0: He, well, I need to find a new horse for him actually. So I'd, I don't it's very he
1: entertaining. We uh, drove around together. Oh, there's one thing in particular he said I'll never forget, and I'm not going to tell you on this, okay? <laughs>
0: Well, we'll we'll leave that for when the recording stops. Thanks again, Joanne.
1: Cool. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Bye.